This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. If you own a business, small or large, my next guest can be an important part of how you deal with that business, whether it's brand new or has been in the family for generations, if it's something you're thinking of selling, or maybe you want to buy a business, my next guest will help with that too. I'm Martin Strong, and on Vancouver Consumer this afternoon, we'll be talking to the folks at Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions. That's coming up, but first, some of the consumer news from the past week. You soon won't have to pay an extra 25 cents for a disposable coffee cup when you pick up a coffee on the go in Vancouver because the city's single-use cup fee is headed for the trash. A statement from the city this past week says the 25-cent fee will be repealed as of May 1st, along with the requirement for businesses to accept customers' clean, reusable cups. However, it says businesses are still encouraged to accept reusable drinking cups and offer discounts to customers who bring their own cups. The fee introduced by the previous city council took effect at the start of last year as part of a waste reduction strategy. Critics say it didn't do much since most people still used the disposable cup and then grudgingly shelled out the extra quarter. The city now says it has directed staff to report back with recommendations for alternative policies. The Trudeau government unveiled a new budget this past week, and it promises big spending on Canada's green economy and expanded dental care. And like any budget, there are critics from all sides. A lot of economists are disappointed this new budget will mean the feds will keep running deficits over the next five years. They think that could mean trouble for the government if the economy slows down more than it's expected to. Tuesday's budget forecasts a $14 billion deficit in 2027-28 and higher deficits each year than had been previously projected. One cost that the budget is promising to cut is the cost of running the government. The Liberals say they can save $15 billion by scaling back on travel and the use of outside consultants in government. They also promise a review of departmental spending. Over the next five years, the government expects to boost spending by $59.5 billion, nearly half for health transfers to the provinces and for the National Dental Care Program. Sanitation workers in Paris got back to work this past Wednesday to deal with mounds of trash equal to the weight of the Eiffel Tower. The workers took part in a three-week-long strike protest against President Emmanuel Macron's controversial plan to raise the retirement in France to 64. Up until now, you could start collecting a government pension at the age of 62. These protests appear to be winding down, but the fight against the law is far from over. Unions planning an 11th day of action uh, on April 6th. And American researchers have found that just a few days of walking 8,000 steps every week may lower your mortality risk. Not a lot of people walk that much, so researchers wanted to look at the minimum number of days a week that people could walk 8,000 steps every day and see a reduction in their mortality risk. Ten years after the study started, they found that people who walked at least 8,000 steps one or two days a week were linked to an almost 15% reduction in their 10-year mortality risk, regardless of how old they were or what sex they were. 
And you know that old rule about how you should spend two months salary on an engagement ring? Funny how it's the people selling the diamonds who are telling you how much you have to spend. But anyway, that's not the story. The story is a massive diamond that is going up for sale in New York. And you better have a good job to have two-month salary cover this one. Sotheby's will be auctioning off a 10.57 carat diamond that is a rare purplish pink color. It's called the Eternal Pink. And it's, it's expected to sell for more than $35 million, which would make it the most valuable pink diamond ever sold at auction. It was discovered in 2019 at a mine in Botswana. This is Vancouver Consumer. And up next, if you're buying or selling a business, you definitely want to talk to my next guest. When we come back, we'll talk to Andrew J. Brown, a business broker and advisor with Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions. That's next. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. This is Martin Strong. And if you own a business, small or large, you are no doubt dealing with market conditions that are constantly changing and are often very challenging. Inflation, interest rates going up. It's also having a big effect on those buying or selling a business. And my next guest can be an important part of that. With me now is Andrew J. Brown, Mergers and Acquisition Advisor with Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions Incorporated. You can find them online at pmabb.com, PMAB. Uh, They have offices in Vancouver, Victoria, and Kelowna with affiliated members worldwide. And uh, Andrew J. Brown, uh, thanks for being here. Thanks, Martin, for for having me on again. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, good pleasure to have you. So let's talk a little kind of an overview of Pacific mergers and acquisitions. Um, You know, give me an idea of what kind of businesses you work with and, uh, you know, what's what's your strategy? Yeah, uh, thanks, Martin. So we're an M&A advisory uh, services firm. Uh, What that means is we uh, help clients uh, with their exit strategies. So we provide sell-side services. So uh, when there's a business that is at a point in time where they're considering selling or have a clear intention to sell, uh, we would engage with them. Uh, The type of business that we work with uh, can be defined as lower mid-market, which is a pretty broad term, but for us, that means any company that's doing anywhere from, say, $2 million per year in annual revenue up to 50 and uh, their earnings would be, you know, anywhere around $500,000 per year and up. And what we do is we, we help them, firstly, get an understanding of what the um, – uh, the objective opinion of value of their business is. When I say objective, we look at it from a third-party standpoint, uh, which is helpful. Uh, sometimes a seller might have a point of view that might not uh, represent the market. So what we do is we help them understand uh, what the most probable selling price of their business is. And then uh, from there, if we've got some alignment on uh, the value and the timings right, then we would help them uh, sell the company, and that ultimately involves us marketing it and finding the right buyer. So, so it 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 sounds to me a little bit like uh, buying or selling a house and using a real estate agent. Would you would you say that's a, a good way to uh, describe what you do? Yeah, certainly. I mean, it's it's an easy way to kind of put it into uh, 
kind of a, a, a relatable thing that everyone uh, can relate to. Everyone uh, has been involved in, you know, buying or selling a house or at least considering that in uh, a business is the same where uh, you're determining a price and then you're determining uh, uh, a market and, you know, who you're going to sell it to, uh, that sort of thing. Yeah. And I guess uh, we've seen uh, market conditions that are really changing. I mean, we went from COVID to the the high inflation that we're seeing and the interest rates suddenly going up. Um, what's the market like for people buying and selling businesses? How how What has been the impact of rising interest rates on mergers and acquisitions these days? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's. I mean, it certainly has been for the past several years a bit of a whirlwind, uh, where COVID had a, a big impact, and then uh, we had a nice sort of bounce back from that. And now, uh, with the concerns around inflation, interest rates are, are, are rising, and the primary impact of that, uh, Martin, is that it's it's a little bit more challenging, I would say, for buyers to. Uh, leverage, uh, meaning borrow money uh, to to buy businesses, uh, uh, whether it's a uh, individual buyer or even sometimes a strategic buyer, uh, they sometimes like to, to leverage uh, and borrow money. And when the, the cost of borrowing goes up, uh, that creates some challenges on their end, uh, certainly. Uh, but I would say, though, that the impact on the market really hasn't been big in the sense that uh, there still is quite a bit of demand out there uh, for the types of businesses we sell. Uh, there's a lot of what is commonly known in the industry as dry powder uh, still available out there. People having uh, capital set aside uh, to acquire good businesses. So the demand is still quite strong. It just uh, does create a bit of a challenge for, for buyers looking to, to leverage themselves. Do do a lot of people who own businesses try to go it alone and sell their business without the help from a company like Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions? Oh, certainly. I mean, it, it happens all the time where uh, someone's in the frame of mind where uh, they're not anticipating selling and they get approached uh, directly by a buyer, whether it's a, a competitor or even a financial buyer reaching out directly, and they, they go down that path. So that certainly does uh, happen uh, all the time. Um, sometimes people feel like they've got a good grasp on the process and they, they, they go it alone. And the results uh, on that uh, can vary. Uh, I'm sure there's a number of success stories out there, but ultimately uh, we've seen our share of uh, situations where someone has tried to do that and ended up uh, uh, spending a lot of time and wasting a lot of time in the process where having a uh, dispassionate advisor on their side, if you will, uh, can work to their advantage. Right. And and you talked earlier, I forgot how you said it, but you were talking, uh, basically, I thought about a business owner who valued their company in an unrealistic unreal, way. And I guess uh, valuating a company is is crucial to sell it because if you're undervalued, you don't get what it's worth. And if you're overvalued, that can really, uh, you know, make it really hard to sell. So I guess valuation is the key, and that's why that's where Pacific mergers and acquisitions come in. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's the first step in our process is uh, helping a business owner understand the value of their business. Um, you know, you, you're right on there. No one uh, has an ugly baby. Uh, <laughs> a lot of times. 
business owners have worked in their business for decades, and uh, they may have uh, perhaps a inflated opinion of what it's worth. And uh, having a reality check sometimes is is necessary. And then you know sometimes the opposite, where uh, a business owner is so heads down running their business, they have they have no idea what it's worth and may actually undervalue it. And having someone provide a, an objective opinion of value is helpful. And how we do it is we actually do anywhere between four and six valuations on a business to really hedge any risk around any of the assumptions being wrong along the way. And we use several approaches. One of them is the market approach. So we take a look at what are businesses in that particular industry selling for. Uh, and then we also take a look at what's called the income approach. And, you know, what are the projected earnings of that business discounted back to present value. And then we also take a look at what's called the cost approach. And then that's, that's involving what would it take that business owner or a new business owner to start that business from scratch to generate the earnings that it's generating today. And then we weight all those together. And what we uh, come up with is a very accurate and objective opinion and value uh, that a business owner can have confidence in uh, knowing that that is the most probable selling price of their business. Yeah, and I guess that's where it's a little different from real estate, buying and selling a house. Because a house, you know, you look at the the neighborhood, what the other houses are selling for. But with a business, it's really complicated, isn't it? Because, uh, you know, you're projecting future earnings, market conditions. There, there's so many things to think about, right? Yeah, it, it can be quite complex and overwhelming at times uh, uh, for a business owner to get their head wrapped around it all, whereas real estate can be a little bit easier to uh, digest. And what's also important is, uh, you know, each business is different. Uh, a technology company is going to have a vastly different um, multiple on their earnings as far as uh, exit multiple uh, versus a different type of company that perhaps might be in the services industry. And uh, getting an understanding as to what your industry multiples are is a good uh, uh, focus area for a business owner, and we like to help with that part. Right. And uh, that's why uh, Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions is here. We're talking to Andrew J. Brown, a merger and acquisitions advisor at Pacific M&A. You can find them online at pmab.com, P-M-A-B-B.com. You can also give them a call 604-696-6111. They've got offices in Vancouver, Victoria, and Kelowna. And uh, they'd love to hear from you. And uh, if you are a, a business owner and you're getting things ready for sale, um, besides valuation, I guess that's one of the most important things. But what are some other things that business owners can do to prepare their business to sell? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing is to, is the most um, obvious thing, and that's to think from a buyer's perspective. Uh, kind of put yourself in the shoes of a potential buyer and uh, try to think how they would think and uh, understand why would someone else want to buy your business. Um, what would a buyer look at your business as, as, a, as a risk in your business? Are there any weaknesses in there? Uh, what are the good things about your business? What makes it unique? Uh, I think that that's kind of the first sort of frame of mind to put yourself in. 
Um, and then from there, what you want to start doing is start thinking about, you know, how you can make yourself uh, replaceable. Because uh, the whole point, or typically the whole point of selling your business is so that you can move on. Uh, which means you need to be replaced. And oftentimes, if a business owner has been heavily involved in their business, which is uh, not uncommon, uh, it's not so easy to start pulling themselves out of it to make themselves replaceable. Uh, so how do you do that? Well, uh, documenting some of your processes, making things uh, clearly written down so, so that another uh, party can come in and clearly understand how you do things. Um, offloading responsibility, making sure that you have uh, a management team in place that can uh, assume some of your responsibilities so that a new buyer can come in and leverage that team. Um, make sure that your concentration levels are low. And what I mean by that is uh, customer concentration. Uh, make sure that perhaps if you're focusing on just a small number of customers, that could be looked at as a risk from a buyer's perspective. So trying to spread that out a bit uh, would be a good idea. And the same thing goes for supplier relationships. If you're depending on just one supplier, that could be a risky proposition as well. So trying to spread that out uh, would be also uh, time well spent. Yeah, that's a lot of things to think about. And I guess it, every business is different. If, if you're a, like a, ma a master watchmaker and you're the only one in the company, even though you're doing a lot of business, once you sell the company, you're not there anymore. And so the company is pretty much worthless. But so I guess, I guess it's really important to think about these things. No doubt about it. Yeah. We're talking to Andrew J. Brown. Uh, mergers and Acquisitions Advisor at Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions. PMAB.com is the website, and uh, it's two Bs, P-M-A-B-B.com. You can also give them a call at 604-696-6111. And we've been talking a lot about selling a business. And when we come back, I want to talk a, lot, a little bit about buying a business and uh, Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions uh, deals with bo both buying and selling businesses. And I, I want to talk about uh, things that buyers can do to improve their chances of getting exactly the business uh, that they want. And if you're in the, uh, the market for, for some kind of business, uh, you should get a hold of Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions. As I say, PMABB.com is the website. And we'll have more with Andrew J. Brown when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong, and on Vancouver Consumer this afternoon, we're talking about mergers and acquisitions with uh, the experts at Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions Incorporated. Uh, you can find them online at PMABB. Uh, dot com, pmab.com. Uh, Andrew J. Brown is a merger and acquisition advisor with Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions, and he's with us now. And Andrew, I know that uh, Pacific M&A are sell-side advisories, but you also deal with people who approach you who want to buy companies as well. So, so what can buyers do to improve their chances of, of getting that business that they want? Yeah, great question. I mean, uh, it obviously takes two to tango. Uh, so 
uh, from our perspective, uh, when we uh, are looking to sell a business, uh, we're going to be engaging with buyers. And um, it really does depend on the type of business as to what the, the buyer, the likely buyer is going to be. Uh, there's typically two types of buyers. One of them is what we call a strategic buyer, uh, which would be someone that's already in the industry of the uh, company that's for sale. And then the other one is a financial buyer, and that can be an individual who has high net worth just looking to acquire a business to run or a private equity firm uh, or a family office, that sort of thing. And, and in any event, when we engage with those types of buyers, um, it can be sometimes a, a competitive uh, process. Uh, so it's similar to what we would suggest to a um, seller in that with the buyer, you, you need to kind of put yourself in the, the seller's shoes. And what I mean by that is the seller is going to be looking at a potential buyer in the same sort of uh, risk-mitigating manner. Uh, and they, what I mean by that is they're going to want to align themselves with the buyer that uh, represents the, less, the least risk to uh, acquiring their business. And, and what I mean by that is if they get engaged with a particular buyer who puts in an offer, uh, they want to make sure that that uh, offer comes to fruition and there isn't any risk of the thing falling apart. And some of the risks that uh, can come up is if a buyer who's, say, a, a financial buyer uh, is leveraging financing to, to acquire the business, well, that can be perceived as a bit of a risk uh, to the business owner. They're like, okay, well, uh, we know that interest rates are, are high. We don't know this buyer particularly well. They're not a strategic buyer. Uh, what are the odds that they're going to actually get their financing approved? That sort of thing. So really, it's the same thing as a buyer. You just have to look at it from the seller's perspective as far as putting your best foot forward. A lot of times, you know, when, when buyers engage with us, they don't really think in that manner. They just think, oh, well, you know, if I, if I come in and make an offer, uh, you know, they're going to immediately accept it. And, you know, what's the problem? And it's, it's not quite that simple. Right. Right. And we've been talking about market conditions. And obviously, uh, things are changing so fast. And we're seeing all sorts of conditions that are very challenging in the market, uh, supply side issues, inflation, uh, interest rates that are going up. So where does timing fit into all this? Is there a good time to sell a business or is it kind of one of those things where um, uh, it's different for every business? What about timing when it comes to selling a business? It's it's certainly different for, for every business. Uh, I would say that typically we say the best time to sell is when uh, things are, are going well, which is counterintuitive to a lot of business owners. I mean, if you know, like I've talked a lot about buyers and sellers putting themselves in their shoes, I, I often put myself in the seller's shoes and I'd be the same way. Well, why would I want to sell now? I'm making lots of money. Things are going good. I'm having fun. Like, why, why, like, why would I want to sell? And really, the reality is, is it's the best time to sell because when you're making the most amount of money, you're going to be able to achieve uh, the highest uh, premium for your business uh, because your profits are only going to get multiplied by your industry multiple. Uh, and the higher the profits, uh, you know, the higher the, the, the exit price. Uh, so from a, from a timing perspective, it's always best to look to exit when things are on a upward trend, uh, not only for your business, but for your uh, industry. 
because buyers are going to look at that in in the most positive light possible. Uh, the last thing you want to do is uh, be in a situation where things are on a downward decline and you're at a point where you feel like you have to sell. Uh, that's when you're going to be much more on your heels, so to speak, as a seller, and the timing wouldn't be so good. So it sounds to me like if you have a business and you're thinking of selling or you're considering you know, what the future of this business is, it might be a good idea to call Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions sooner than later, even if you're not ready to sell tomorrow, but to, to really lay out a plan. And I guess that's something that you recommend that business owners do. No doubt about it. We've we've worked with business owners that we've uh, been talking to for sometimes several years, and the timing isn't always right for everybody. Um, but the first stage in our process where we're helping them understand the value of their business can be done at any time. Uh, it's valuable information to have. It's good uh, retirement planning information sometimes for folks, just having a clear idea what they can expect to get for their business. Uh, and it's a data point that's going to be valuable at any point in time. Um, so from, from our perspective, uh, we don't try to pressure anyone into to selling uh, just because we're motivated to do so. We know that it's different for everyone. It's an emotional process. Uh, and the timing has to be right for you as a person, uh, making sure that you're comfortable with the timing and that your family's comfortable with it and that the timing's right from your business performance perspective as well. This is Vancouver Consumer. We're talking to Andrew J. Brown, a merger and acquisitions advisor with Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions Incorporated. And if you have a business and you're thinking of selling, and uh, like we just heard, if, if maybe it's something you're thinking about down the road, it might be a good idea. You can find their website uh, at pmabb.com, pmab.com. Their phone number is 604-696-6111. Uh, that's three ones. Uh, they have offices in Vancouver, Victoria, and Kelowna with affiliated members worldwide. Also a web or uh, an email address, info at pacificmergers.com. If you'd like to start a dialogue with, uh, with Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions about selling your business. Um, it doesn't have to be tomorrow, but it's a good idea to, to plan uh, and, and, and really, you know, be in a position where when it's time to sell, you're ready and it's a good time. And I mean, generally, is it a long process? How long does it take to sell the average business? You know, it, it, it depends. I mean, we've had uh, situations where the, the timing is right and uh, between valuing the business, which can take anywhere between one or two months and going to market and selling, uh, we can get it done sometimes in less than six months. Um, but there's also situations where the timing perhaps isn't right, uh, things come up, uh, and the process can take upwards to 18 months to two years. I would say on average, it takes around nine months, uh, but every uh, situation is different. Right. And, and some of the advantages of dealing with a company like uh, Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions and trying to do it yourself. Uh, what are some of the pitfalls? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the first one that, that I like to uh, emphasize is that if you're doing it yourself, uh, you're going to be potentially dealing with a limited market. Uh, you're going to be uh, perhaps in a situation where you're only dealing with one, maybe 
to potential buyers, and you're not going to have the type of reach uh, that we have at Pacific, where we have access to over 25,000 uh, uh, contacts, who are some of which are buyers and some of which are advisors to potential buyers, where we can create a uh, a market for you. And what that does is uh, it. Cr- it creates as much simultaneous demand as possible for your business, which is going to, in turn, give you the opportunity to maximize the value you get for your business and uh, maximize the terms uh, that you can get for your business. And when I say terms, that means, you know, time it takes for the the deal to close, financing terms. A lot of buyers uh, like to try to leverage. Uh, uh, vendor financing, if you have a number of buyers that are involved in a uh, potential acquisition, you can sometimes dictate the terms involved where you can drive towards getting the, the, the cleanest uh, deal possible. Right. And let, let's talk about the process for somebody who's got a business, they're thinking of selling. And like we were talking about, it's always a good idea to to think in advance even if you don't want to sell tomorrow and somebody contacts uh, Pacific mergers and acquisitions, they go to the website at pmabb.com, pmab.com. They can click on the tab that says schedule a consultation. So what's that process like? What's the first questions you ask? Well, first of all, it's important for me to emphasize that when when you do that, the the conversation is going to be uh, confidential in nature. Uh, so we are certainly bound by confidentiality when, when you reach out. Uh, it's not to be disclosed to, to anyone uh, that your business is uh, for sale uh, at that stage. And we also provide an added layer of peace of mind by providing a non-disclosure on our part to make sure that you feel comfortable in that. Um, so that aside, once once you engage with us and uh, you have the confidence that uh, it's a confidential uh, conversation, from there, we just basically have a chat, uh, and we can do that uh, in person, over Zoom, over the phone, and really it's just a, a function of us getting to understand uh, uh, your business, what it's all about, uh, and then what your personal situation is. Why are you at a point in your life where you're considering selling? Are you looking to retire? Are you burnt out? Uh, do you have other opportunities you want to pursue? Uh, that sort of thing. Uh, so the more information that we can gather at that stage helps us kind of understand the situation. From there, uh, what we typically do uh, is go through our, our, our process, which involves uh, doing evaluation and helping uh, get alignment on the, the value of the business. And then from there, the process involves us uh, taking you through uh, the selling process, which is uh, marketing the business and then finding you the, the right buyer. Sounds sounds like a plan for anybody with a business. Uh, Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions Incorporated. The website to go to is pmabb.com, pmab.com. You can also phone them at 604-696-6111. They have offices in Vancouver, Victoria, Kelowna, and affiliated members worldwide. You can also send an email at info at pacificmergers.com. Dot com. So if you've got a business and uh, you're thinking of selling down the road, maybe tomorrow, maybe years from now, uh, get a hold of Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions. Andrew J. Brown has been our guest. Thank you so much, Andrew. Thanks, Martin, for having me. It's always a pleasure, sir.
Yeah, always a pleasure to talk to you too. It's Vancouver Consumer, and coming up, shoplifting has always been something that the crooks do quietly and hope you don't notice, but a rise in violent shoplifters has cops and store employees very worried. How are they becoming a serious problem in the Lower Mainland and how local police are doing something about it? That's next when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong. Shoplifting. It's a huge problem for retailers and really expensive for them. Police in Vancouver have been trying to do something about it. So between February 15th and the 10th of March, they launched Project Barcode. It had cops working with Vancouver stores to clamp down on retail crime. Throughout the three weeks of Project Barcode, Vancouver police officers were staged outside of 28 retail stores, while staff in the stores watched for people they recognized as repeat offenders and other random shoplifters. As these alleged crooks made their way toward the exits, staff tipped off the waiting cops and then they took the suspects into custody. In a news release put out by Vancouver police this past week, they say the operation investigated 280 thefts and from there they made 217 arrests, including 47 repeat offenders. Police also recovered just under 80 grand in stolen merchandise and they seized 24 weapons. The VPD notes that mid-sized businesses like London Drugs and grocery stores, dollar stores and clothing retailers were among the most targeted by shoplifters during the three weeks. And the thing about shoplifting is a lot of it goes underreported. Even still, the statistics show that the number of retail thefts in Vancouver increased by more than 30% last year in comparison to 2021. As well, on average, over 20 violent shoplifting incidents were reported to police each month in 2022. That was probably the most alarming thing about last week's report, the number of violent retail crimes. Those numbers are going down, though. So far in 2023, those involving weapons or physical force have gone down by 45%, but they're still happening way too often. During the three weeks of Operation Barcode, cops still encountered several violent shoplifters during the course of the campaign. According to the Vancouver Police Department, in one recent incident, a man with 37 prior criminal convictions dating back to 2015 entered a dollar store near Granville and Dunsmere, pulled out a knife to threaten staff, then exited the store with a bunch of stuff allegedly stolen from the store. The same man then entered another dollar store a block away where he did the exact same thing. Officers arrested the guy near Maine and Hastings that same day. The suspect was charged with possession of a weapon, uttering threats, and has since been released from custody. Another shoplifting suspect was arrested four times during the three weeks of Project Barcode. In one instance, this suspect walked into a downtown clothing store, threatened to kill staff with a knife. The man was arrested near the store, taken to jail, and charged with assault with a weapon, theft over $5,000, and two counts of failure to comply. The man has since been 
released from custody. A third violent theft involved a suspect who allegedly stole 1100 bucks worth of stuff from a hardware store in East Van. He threatened store security with a machete. That suspect was charged with robbery and has been released from custody. You might be seeing a pattern there. This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. We're here every Saturday from 2 to 4. Thanks to our producer, Leo Coelho. We will see you next weekend. The news on CKNW is next. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.